0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buchholz, and this is episode 166, Writing Murder and Mayhem, an interview with Natalie Walters, coming to you on Thursday, November 21st, 2019. I have to say, I think I have the luckiest, most awesome job in the world because even if I am tired, it's the end of the day, I'm ready to start thinking about brushing my teeth and reading and going to sleep. But no, I have an interview on the other side of the world. And so morning for her is evening for me. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to stay awake and sound awake and interested and, you know, when it's bedtime for me? And yet, here I am having this fantastic conversation with Natalie Walters. It is so far past my bedtime by the time we actually hung up and and said goodbye and turned off the camera. You only got a portion of our talk, and it was a really fun portion, but I had to stop it or else you'll be like, these podcast interviews are too long, Kitty. We like them, but they're too long. So here I am. Now, I am so wired from talking to this energetic, enthusiastic, fantastic, fun woman that I can't fall asleep. So, I have to read in bed for like an hour to fall asleep. Part of the reason it was an hour is because I was reading her book, which is romantic suspense, which is not what you read when you're trying to fall asleep. All that to say, fun, fun times ahead for you listening to me and Natalie talk about so many things, including where to hide the body, which is always a fun conversation that you can have without feeling any guilt about it. This is this is gonna be fun for you, I think. And if you're uh, working on your NanoRimo novel and you're writing, writing, writing really fast, all of the energy and enthusiasm that we have during the interview I think will pep you up and keep you going. We also sort of accidentally end up doing a lot of brainstorming during the interview just because she says something which makes me think of something, which makes her think of something, and we're like, Oh yeah, we could do this, we could write that and So it's also great if you're like, yeah, I need some brainstorming energy. Listen to this interview with Natalie. She's great at brainstorming. She says it's her favorite part of the writing process. And I can totally see why after talking to her for a couple hours. So. I don't really have any other announcements to make this week. Next week, I will wish you a happy Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. or if you're an American living someplace else. But this week, I think, is just all about writing, 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 and uh, listening to somebody give you lots of enthusiastic energy as they talk about their new book. So here we go. Let's talk to Natalie. Today's guest is Natalie Walters. Natalie is the author of Living Lies and the new sequel, Deadly Deceit. A military wife of 22 years, she currently resides in Hawaii with her soldier husband and their three kids. She writes full-time and has been published in Proverbs 31 magazine and has blogged for guideposts online. In addition to balancing life as a military spouse, mom, and writer, she loves connecting on social media, sharing her love of books, cooking, and traveling. Natalie comes from a long line of military and law enforcement veterans and is passionate about supporting. Them through volunteer work, races, and writing stories that affirm no one is defined by their past. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, how are you? Hello. We are practically, we were just talking, we're like literally almost on the opposite sides of the world right now. Yes, yeah, you're in the cooler, beautiful,
1: wintry weather, and I'm minus the snow, and I'm in the hot, sweaty, <laughs> I shouldn't <laughs> complain. People love to, like, people come here, but I. I prefer a little bit of like temperature change.
0: <laughs> yes. I have to say after a lot of years of living in um Southern California, Arizona, Australia, I am so excited. We have, I'm back into similar to Michigan weather, which is where I'm from, which is a lot of days have like three seasons in one day, which is great. <laughs> and then there's like 14 seasons in the year, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I,
1: we were in Texas and it's like that. You have like it'll be 46 and then the next day it'll be like 85. So you just don't know how to dress. You just keep all your clothes in the closet because <laughs> right. it could be
0: bundled up or you could be like in nothing in shorts yeah. and t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we also have like a lot of um, humidity here. So like I would dress for a Michigan 42 degree day and be like, kind of weirdly sweaty. And I'm like, I don't understand. It's freezing cold out and I'm a little sweaty. And then my friend was explaining, well, it's a lot, it's very humid here. Like she didn't know if it was more humid, but she's like, it's very humid here. So you have to try to figure out like how to dress in a way that you haven't like overdressed for humidity as well. And I'm like, okay, this is getting really complicated.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) That is too complicated. Yeah, It's like layers, you know, you were taught as a kid to like dress in layers so you could like peel off or put back on, but that humidity takes it to like a whole other ball game. You just right. like, I give up. Like I give up. <laughs> exactly.
0: All right. So I've been dying to ask you this question. Um, as a runner, I have to know if races in your bio means that you're a runner and you run races.
1: Um, it did. Okay. <laughs> Probably should update that bio. Um, I I haven't run any races recently. And when I say races, I don't mean like competitive. I'm just like, let me cross the finish line. And that's me. That tends to be like my prayer at the like <laughs> final miles. I'm like, oh Lord, please just like get over. <laughs> don't let me quit because all I want to do is quit. Um, But yeah. yeah, I've done a couple. I did a I did two half marathons. I did a couple of uh, ten you know ten ks and. And, um, and I, I remember when I ran my half marathon, I was like, I will never do this again. Like I, and I see the runners who like veer off to like continue the full marathon. And I'm like, they have my utmost respect, but they're also psychopaths because <laughs> it's painful. And I don't know. So my, I ended up getting a stress fracture. And after that, I kind of was like, okay, I think my body, this is my excuse. My body is telling me you done girl. Like go <laughs> yeah. for walks. It's nice. You get to take in the scenery. And I listen to the audio So it's, it's much nicer when I'm running, I need to listen to music to kind of keep me motivated. But yeah. when I'm walking, I can listen to audio books, which is, which is much, much nicer. Unless I'm listening to uh, suspense or like, like bio stuff on like murders. And then I get jumpy when I'm walking. So <laughs> then I tend to pick up my pace a little bit more, but but yeah, so I I have done some 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 races, but I wouldn't call what I do racing or running. <laughs> right. I, it's more of a jog. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. When I realized how fast other, I don't know, normal people run, I was like, well, okay, that means that what I really am doing is jogging. But I'm just gonna call it running because it makes me feel better. That's right. That's right. It's like if it's like before I was published, you know, I always tell you like, okay, are you? like, are you
1: a writer or are you an author or is it a hobby or is it a job? And I was like, I'm writing, so I'm a writer. So yeah. <laughs> I'm an author now because it's been published, but I'm a writer.
0: <laughs> right, right. Oh man. Well, I've got lots of energy right now and this is fun talking to, to you know, uh, well, okay. So Romantic Suspense, I know is the appropriate title uh, uh, for the category, but I'm like, this is really fun talking to somebody about murder right now, because yes. I just now, like 20 minutes ago, finished watching The Shining, which I didn't realize I hadn't seen it. I didn't realize all the things that I remembered about it were only from trailers and clips that I had seen my whole life. I'm watching it going, I don't think I've actually seen this movie. And it was deliciously, delightfully scary. I'm like, holy crap. And I know what's happening. I mean, I know what's going to happen. Right, read- right you know, the scenes that are in all the trailers that you've seen your whole life. And I'm like, okay, this is still really scary. I'm loving this. Yeah. Yeah. I love, so
1: I, I'm a huge fan of like the, I wouldn't call them a horror. I think they're, I think scary is like the appropriate description for them. They're scary movies, but I love the older ones because I feel like they use like the foreshadowing of music and like, you know, what's going to happen. And I think that's what causes you to like, kind of like start to like freak out a little bit yeah. For me, it gets me like on the edge of my seat to where I have to force myself to stay seated. You know, I think I probably tried to walk out of misery like four or five times because I could not handle the suspense. I was like, oh my gosh, this, I, like I know it's going to happen. I just can't handle it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the movies now sort of just like, you know, there's a whole thing with writers. Like you show, you don't tell. I think there's more telling these days in, in these movies that you're like, okay, it's just going to be a bunch of like gory, gruesome, whatever. And I mean, that's not necessarily scary. It's just gross. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like I can, my imagination plays far worse games with me than what I can see on television. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, my fingers are crossed. The reason why we watch The Shining tonight is because, um, so it's Wednesday now when you and I are talking and on Friday, we're going to go see Dr. Sleep, which is apparently the 30 years later, what happens next?
1: Oh my goodness. I was like, so we saw the preview for that and I was telling my daughter, I was like, oh my goodness wouldn't it be crazy if like the whole like every Stephen King movie ever created was the imagination of one guy put under like by his psychiatrist and like every like that he like literally was feeding him all these like movies and that's how all these like movies exist it was like just this huge dream world I was like I could totally see Stephen King doing that yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, like, yeah. all of us thought like this whole time we've just been living in one man's head for every movie
0: <laughs> yeah like the matrix but in a horror movie
1: yes yes yeah <laughs> yeah that i mean you know it's one of those things like stephen king's one of those like guys like you kind of be creeped out to me but you'd also be really fascinated to like can we just talk like just tell me i we've got i've got one of his books he did a writing book yes. um and it's really really good because it kind of talks about like his childhood and how he kind of came to like have these ideas for like carrie and i was just like oh this guy has like, this is, it's kind of like you get to go into his brain a little bit. It was really, really good. So yeah. I, I really enjoy that book.
0: Yeah, me too. I just um listened to it on audio as well a couple of months ago. And it's so cool, like listening to him tell the story, you know, and he's he's good enough at it that it, it really doesn't feel so much like he's reading a book is that he's just telling you the story of, you know. <sighs> Him, I'll have to listen a to
1: audio because it'll be, I was just going to ask if he was the one doing the narration, but I like, I think it'd be nice, it'd be fun to do it on audio as well.
0: Yeah, totally. He's absolutely one of those people that I would like, um, enter a contest to win, you know, lunch with Stephen King. Just so you could sit there and talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. And you know, it's interesting.
1: I, um, did a writing, uh, program with, uh, Jerry Jenkins oh, yeah. and it was, we, a friend of mine, we were getting ready to go to lunch and um, Jerry came out and, and look at me talking like, oh, me and Jerry are friends. Yeah. He came out <laughs> with like two other authors. And uh, we were like, hey, because he was familiar. It was in Colorado. We were like, where's a good place to eat? He's like, oh, there's this pizza place. Do you want to join us? And I was like, yeah. So <laughs> we like went there and he's telling us the story about how he and Stephen King are, are friends and, you know, acquaintances or, you know, they're on friendly enough terms that they've talked with each other a couple times. Um, and they had a mutual friend who was in a motorcycle accident. And so they were raising funds to help him uh, recover or whatever. And so that's how they actually got to, to meet and got to know each other. And I thought, this is crazy, like how you would have Stephen King with like Jerry Jenkins, you would never see or think that the two of them would be together or whatever. But um, I think that that was, I think that's really neat. I think that's like the way like story world is like, you could be in a totally different genre. And meet somebody else and you become instant friends for the love of stories so right. i think that's the best part of books
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i was at a um birthday party on monday night with uh one of the fellows that i used to work with and my husband still works with at the video game company which is the reason why we we moved here john got a job at massive entertainment which makes um, video games <clears throat> oh and, cool! yeah it's totally son- <laughs> fun yeah my son would be all over that right now he'd be yeah. like what <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell your son, um, uh, Massive is one of the Ubisoft companies and we're the company that made the division and the division two. So, and, oh, yeah. So yeah. the division two just came out a few months ago and now we're working on, I guess I can say, yeah, I can say. So um, John's working on Avatar and I had just a nine month contract where I was working on Avatar.
1: That is so. so, That is so cool. I'm gonna have to like pick your brain for like story ideas. You're giving me all kind of stuff going on in my head right now.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, and that's. Now we're gonna do one of those like spaghetti circular reference things. Like one of my questions later is gonna be so. According to your your press release, brainstorming is one of your favorite things. So, (laughs) all right, so we'll circle around to that. Yes, Yes. I love it. (laughs) So we were. It was me and two guys who've been making video games for you know. 20 or whatever years, like they've both been in the industry a long time. And we're talking about story and the power of story and like what story does in people's lives and why it's important. It's not just, it's not just entertainment. Like it it moves people. And I was right. like, this is my most favorite thing in the whole world. Just talking about story like this. Yes. I am the same way. I think it's funny.
1: Cause I, you know, as, a, as an author, we have to do our own marketing and that nothing freaks me out more than having to like tell people about like my books or my, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, this is like, I feel, I don't know. It just makes me uncomfortable, yeah but I can speak all day long about other people's books. I could sell you them. I could like, by the time I'm done talking with you, you'd be like, all right, I'm buying all these books. But <laughs> it was funny. Cause I was doing, um, a, a Facebook live with, with, uh, for the release of deadly see And they were asking me about the new one and I was going hundred miles a minute because I was so excited. And then I like realized like, I actually forgot that I wrote the book. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I wrote. But so a lot of people were like, we were so excited to see you get excited for your story. And it really is. It's just that I love the story and the characters. And so once I like take myself out of that equation, it's easier for me to be excited, you know, to be able to be my true self about stories, which yeah. is, over-the-top excited.
0: (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if there are secretly, so that the publishing houses don't really know, some authors who work for the same publisher who are writing each other's social media stuff so that you can be excited about someone else's story and not feel weird that you're talking about your story. (laughs) And then... (laughs) And then send them to each other. And then you post what the other person said. You're like, yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> I, need a, I, I really need to take, take some notes on that one. That's a yeah. good idea. <laughs> the secret underground network. Don't tell. That's right. That's right. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, let's actually talk a little bit about your book. So this is book two of a new series. Actually, book one was your debut book, right? -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, why don't we kind of start at the beginning? Since we only have to go back one book, let's start at the beginning. Tell us your story. How you got involved, and and then how it all happened for you. So, my first book is
1: Living Lies, and uh, I probably will go back just a little bit on just how I started that story. Uh, I had been writing for a couple years, uh, seeking publication. I, in fact, started story. Uh, in Egypt when we were living there and was pitching that actually and it just wasn't it was getting interest but not enough to like spark a contract or or uh, publish or whatever so I was like all right I'm going to start writing something else and at the time that I started uh, brainstorming ideas um, and when I say brainstorming I meant like I don't know what to write what what's selling out there what do I like to write so um, my daughter, uh, she started having some issues with depression and anxiety. And so uh, our life kind of spiraled a little bit out of control, uh, just because we'd never really had a firsthand experience with this kind of of, of topic or issue. And um, as we were trying to deal with that, we ran into a lot of stigma and a lot of opinions and a lot of um, just, you know, questions and not know who to go to or who to turn to. So I funneled that into my writing and I created a character uh, first type of story. So I normally, I think I tend to be more plot driven. Like I have an idea for like, oh, I want to have a story, but then I figure out who my characters are. And on this particular story, I was like, I have a character who is suffering from depression and having to face the stigma that surrounds that. And how do you survive that? And how do you get help if you can't even talk about it? So that's where it started. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna start putting um, obstacles in her way and figure out how she's gonna like move through that. And um, and it was interesting because when I originally came up with the idea for Lane, I kind of wanted her to be this, uh, in a small town where she was going to work with the um, sheriff to kind of solve crimes because no one really pays attention to her. Uh, She's kind of in the background and that. And then eventually like by book three in my head, I was like, okay, and then it would be revealed that this person who nobody paid attention to has actually got a very important value and purpose in, in the town. And so that was kind of how her name came to be. Cause so it's Lane, like Lois Lane and then Kent. So it was Lane Kent because it was kind of gonna be like, oh, she's this superhero kind of a you know, character. Um, and then of course the entire story changed. <laughs> it didn't end up being that at all. Um, and so I wrote, uh, so when I started her story, so I started her uh, journey in uh, Virginia. We had got a new assignment to Georgia. So then I was in Georgia and I was driving my son to middle school and you had to go down this really long road. That had all these trees and it was marshy swampy land and I was like oh that'd be a really good place for a body yes and so that was how it happened we I was like all right this is how it happened, so the living life story started as a therapy for me but then progressed into uh into the plot line and then I wrote that story pitched it to uh agents and editors and I had to get an agent first so got that uh and she started helping me with the romance element of it. Cause I was like, I don't know how to write romance. <laughs> <laughs> I like romance. I just don't know how to write romance. So yeah. uh, she helped me with that a little bit. And, um, and then we pitched it and got a three book contract with Ravel. And now I guess it's like history, but it's only been like one year. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, It's been longer than that. Like the writing, like from contract to now, but it feels like, oh my goodness, I've got two books in one year. That's crazy. So yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, that's very cool. So uh, Deadly Deceit is book two and you and I are talking to each other in mid-November and it came out in October, right?
1: It came out November 5th. Oh, Okay. Yeah, just this month. Yeah. So just yeah, two so weeks. Yeah. Just two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy whirlwind, but oh, it's been man.
0: fun. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about the book.
1: So, uh, so Living Lies, I'm going to go. I feel like I went backwards, but I'm going to start yeah, Living go Lies. Go backwards, that's it's, right. It's, a, it's part of a series, but there can be standalone books. So, in Living Lies, you'll go through Lane's story with. Uh, her and how she's going through like you get introduced to the town some of the townspeople get introduced to her love interest uh deputy charlie lynch and then book two is like a progression of this of the series but not their story so it takes a whole new um uh hero and heroine so we have uh deputy ryan frost who is charlie's best friend in living lies and the quirky kind of nerdy goofy deputy Um, he comes back in book two and is the hero. And then a very unlikely heroine is the reporter Vivian DeMarco, who um, is not well received in Living Lies for her tenacious crossing the line type personality. Um, But And I was really worried because I had already turned that book in before Living Lies was released. And I got a lot of people who were like, we don't like Vivian DeMarco. And I was like, "Oh don't know. So I was really nervous, but I'd already turned the story in. So I was like, well, we're just gonna have to roll with this. <laughs> yeah. So I was very conscious to make sure. Cause I really like, I don't necessarily have a love relationship with reporters. Um, but I, I understand they have a job to do, but I guess it was more of me trying to find out why they do the job they do or why they are the way they are. And I think I was able to do that with Vivian's character in Deadly Deceit. Was be able to just watch her transform. So, all of that to say that this story starts with um, Vivian DeMarco being back in Walton, which is where she does not want to be because of the previous book, and um, kind of hides herself away. But she's working for the local paper, and gets a phone call from her boss who tells her he's got a story for her and wants to meet her. Uh, late at you know it's kind of late at night. He's getting uh, coming home from a, a basketball game, and she goes to meet him, goes to meet him, and he dies in front of her, and doesn't get to tell her that story. So she is, you know, bereft with the because he was also her ticket out of Walton, and is concerned about that. And uh, she starts to dig for the story, and then they come to learn that his death may not have been as natural as they thought it was. And so she starts doing her her journalist just you know her journalistic duties and her reporter thing and ryan is now kind of heading the charge on this case and is like at his wits end with this tenacious reporter but he also (laughs) thinks she's real pretty so (laughs) so of course he's he's got to keep her in line but he also he he also has a soft spot for her so it was a lot of fun to to write those characters
0: Nice. Now, um, so we, we heard in your bio that uh, military and law enforcement people are part of your natural history. So in uh, book one and book two both have a hero who is in law enforcement. Is, do you think that this is probably sort of a, a trend that you're going to see in your writing for the near future?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with romantic suspense is, I remember I had a, a mentor who told me like the problem with like romantic suspense is that you have to have somebody who's got some sort of law enforcement, you know, in them because otherwise, you know, how do you do, how do you do the investigation part? Or how do you protect or whatever? So, so I was, I mean, I put some thought into that, but I, I know, like, so in book three, which is coming out in March, Silent Shadows, there's not a, the character's not law enforcement. Now they do work with law enforcement, but he's actually military intelligence or prior military intelligence. And so he has that sort of investigative background himself, but there's not actually two characters with that. And so I think um, they kind of tell you, write what you know. And so growing up with my dad, who was a police officer, and then became a judge, and then my brother was a sheriff deputy. um, And then being in the military, of course, uh, we have lots of friends in different federal agencies. So I can draw from all of those experiences and kind of take their stories and kind of twist them around. And, and, uh, but it's nice to have them, because then if I have a question, I have like actual people I can go to and be like, hey, tell me about this, you know, and and I know I probably get stuff wrong. I mean, that's just the course of writing fiction, but at yeah. the same time fiction, so yeah. you know, if you if you can if you can watch some of that stuff that's on television and, you know, <laughs> then you can you can read a book <laughs> and yeah. overlook
0: that error. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My one of my favorite TV shows is Castle with Nathan Fillion. Um, and I'm on season 5. I've been I've been like just giving myself just one or two episodes every here and there because like I I want to make it last as long as possible. (laughs) And I had to, like you, yeah, yeah. And like you move around a lot. And so like, couldn't watch it when it was actually on TV. So I'm like, okay, that's right. I'll just like watch just a little bit of each of the DVDs and try to make it last a long time. And there's this one part where I'm just like, I love Lainey, the, the medical examiner, love her. But and, and I, and I love this show. And so like, however, like there'll be like one or two times where I'm like, okay, she just said like a whole bunch of things in three sentences that would have taken her at least a couple of days to figure out, I think, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, that's all right. I choose to believe her. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's right. That's right. I know. I was just watching, I'm watching the new season of Jack Ryan oh, and nice. Um, I, which I like it. I enjoy the show very much. Um, I had a question and one of the things they did in episode one, but my mom explained it to me and I was like, okay, I can get that. It, they didn't really hint at it too strongly. So I it went over my head completely, but the last episode that I watched, um, and I don't want to give away anything in case anybody hasn't caught up with them, but yeah. there's a scene where somebody attacks Jack Ryan, obviously he's going to get attacked in every episode yeah. and they put a plastic bag over his head to kind of like suffocate him. And I can't tell you how many times I have talked to my children while we've watched the show. And I'm like, what would you do if this was happening? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you break the plastic. It's just plastic. Like you yes. put a hole in your mouth and you breathe. Yes. But I'm telling you, Jack Ryan was in there struggling. And I was like, dude, come on, you're yeah. a CIA. That should be like 101. I mean, yeah. I feel like anybody who's watched any kind of movie should know you just pop the plastic. So you know, for your listening viewers, if you ever find yourself with a plastic wrap around your head, just poke, poke, you know, put your fingers through it and you can breathe. Breathe. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) But yes, I was like, oh no, come on. And I don't know like why that was so such a, like, it seems weird to me that that was something that like would be overlooked by like the writers or the directors of that, but it was, and I guess it just made for better I mean, I don't know. Y'all have to watch that episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I try to tell myself, okay, this is like the heavy-duty shipping container wrap that you wouldn't be able to get your fingers through. And, and And I just, you know, do that thing where... I just choose to believe that this is right. what's going on, but you'd think that you would at least see the person trying to poke a hole right. where their mouth right. is. Right.
1: I mean, with your adrenaline pumping, it'd be like whole cans. You should, you know, you might be able to break through that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel like plastic tarp, but.
0: I know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Or then so... you have
1: to wonder like why you wouldn't ha- why he would have industrial size plastic around him
0: because yeah. did he plan on stuff again? <laughs> It yeah. just goes into a whole bunch of questions. Exactly. Which in some ways is part of what um, can get me totally stuck. Like I'll start going down this circular path that's like a labyrinth of what if, and then I'm just like, oh my gosh, Kitty, choose one. Just all of them are fine <laughs> ideas. Just choose one. But right. you're like, but what if this? But if you do this, then why not that? And why wouldn't you, yeah. and wouldn't he have, you know, blah, blah, blah in his pocket? He could just, you know. Right better to accidentally cut your tongue with the, the, the knife that you always keep in your pocket than to suffocate.
1: Yeah. Now that you bring that up, he did have a knife in his pocket because he used it. And so, hello, like you just like, I, that literally just like a light bulb in my head. Oh, he did have a knife in his pocket, but chose not to use it. So yeah, because at the end of the day, you have like readers or viewers who are asking those questions. Like we're pretty smart now because they don't hide anything on television anymore. Like they show you like all the steps and you know, you watch, you know, the CSI and you can solve a crime in 30 minutes or whatever, but yeah. you know, so we, we readers and viewers are going to ask those questions. So you'd better have some sort of explanation or at least a, a, a relative good reason to be like, okay, I can see how that, you know, that that happened, like that took place, you know? Yeah. So which happened in episode 1 but my mom explained it with it like well
0: and i'm like okay i could yeah. i could see that you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and it's it's um it's fun but also like just really hard cuz especially if you start thinking about the last tv show that you saw that you were like well, why didn't he just, and then you're thinking, oh my gosh, how many readers are going to be like, well, why doesn't he or she just, and you'll be like, I need to make sure that I have this, like a really solid reason. <laughs> yes. No,
1: that, that definitely is a fear. And I always feel like when I'm trying to come up with ways to like put my heroin into suspenseful or dangerous situation, I'm like this, I feel like you have to be so creative because at the end of the day, it's always going to be someone stalking them, mugging them, breaking into them, doing something to their car. So it's like, okay, how do I make this something that's like different and then be able to explain it in a way that like, okay, because I mean, if somebody's car exploded in your neighborhood, you'd be kind of like, okay, this is weird. And you'd have yeah. a lot of questions. Cause that's not a normal everyday thing, you know? Yeah. So you know, if, but then if you like explain it like, oh, well, that person is all, it was building a car and was pulling his stuff off of, you
0: know, the internet. Okay. He didn't know what he was doing. Right. That explains it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, now you got me thinking, okay, so the next time I should do something where she's, um, she's trying to start it. You know she's just getting the click and she does it again and just just gets the click and she jumps out of the car and you know calls the police and i think someone's put a bomb on my car because she's seen this on tv yes. like if it's just a click like do not try starting your car again it will explode but right. then you know what she finds out is she's just got a dead starter which also makes the exact same sound
1: you know? right. exactly like- but it heightens the suspense because now she's like, okay, she's been taken off her guard. Exactly. Now she's not going to know when it's
0: coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. You and I should just like write some stories together. That's right. I We're think the so. Same I think so. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the other things that you mentioned in your press release was that you had, and pardon me if I'm misquoting you, a really fun time figuring out the murder in this particular book.
1: I did. I actually, so I talked earlier about living lies starting as character-based, uh, Uh, story. This one was, um, I kind of knew, I knew who my characters were but it was the method of murder that I was like, oh, this is good. I like this. And um, I didn't know who I was going to kill at the time and I was really sad when I discovered, like, when I was like, oh, I gotta kill this character. Because I really wanted him to have a long, you know, I wanted him to make it to the end. Yeah. uh, But it just wouldn't work that way because I needed his death to kind of, like, you know, push Vivian in that in that direction. But um, it was very fun. I thought it was, it's a little scary how excited I get about how I'm going to like murder one of my characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was especially excited about this method because I was like, this is something that like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure if I used to do research on this, there's probably somebody who was actually murdered in this manner. It'd be kind of freaky, but I think, you know, I think it's more of like the way that it happens. I was like, oh, how could I, but I like, I like it. I think it was a lot of fun. And then when I learned who the murderer was, I was like, Oh, cause you know, it, the, the method was so unique that I was like, it has to be a, it has to be a character that you'd be like, Oh, I would not have expected that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was really, that was really fun. It was really fun. And I, my sister's a doctor, my daughter just graduated from nursing school and I have friends who are nurses. So I was able to get all of the, like, okay, can this happen? Like what is the time frame? Like what can I do on this? And so it, it was. I was. I am so proud of it. <laughs> I'm so proud of the way I killed my character. Can I say that?
0: Nice. Well done. Hey, you know what? I've been on vacation before with my husband, and I've looked at over something. Um, the the one that I still am like I have to find a way to use this is when we lived in New Zealand, and we went to this place where um it's like boiling mud pits and like um. <coughs> I said I wasn't going to cough on air. Sorry, people still <laughs> trying to get over this silly bronchitis. Um, what it, what do you call it? Like um, like where there's hot springs, you know, and hot water boiling up. Right. But when it boils up under the mud, it make it literally makes the bl- the mud boil. Like you can see it. Oh, bizarre. It. <laughs> yeah, and at one point there was like th- this path that had this little curve, and there was a whole lot of like. Trees and shrubs and stuff like that, and I just went, "Oh, what a great place to dump a body!" And my husband and I were on vacation for our anniversary, and he just looks at me like, "Should I be scared?" And I'm like, (laughs) "No, no, I'm just thinking. You like for a story?" And he's like, "Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, no, I totally my my husband and my kids will totally agree with because I we were in New York for my son-in-law's graduation." And we were walking through Central Park and it was a beautiful day. And I was like, okay, because, you know, you watch like the CSI or you watch, you know, Blue Bloods or whatever. And you're like, okay, people die in the park all the time. I mean, that's my, that's what I get from those <laughs> television shows. There's always bodies. So i was yeah. like, how do you get a body into like, and I was like, oh, I could totally, <clears throat> excuse me, I could totally see someone putting a body into a suitcase and rolling it through the park and like just emptying it out. And then like, because you see people who are like, you know, going from either the, their taxi or whatever to the, and I'm like, that would be, and I was like, oh, I could, that, that would be how you do it. You'd put somebody into a suitcase, you'd roll them through and then you'd dump them and then you'd go out and no one would ever think twice about it. And my yeah. husband's like, and my daughter's like, mom, really? And I was like, what, but, but this, because then, because I was thinking like, okay, how, if you had someone to scream, because I even mean, there's a lot of people in New York city, but you literally could walk through with your suitcase and no one would blink an eye. Yeah. So if anybody uses that idea, just, you know, acknowledgements, credits, that's all I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I love to do um, for the podcast is I, I love to make my guests look good and make their books sound interesting. And of course, you know, I've read at least a portion of the books of the um, guests that I've had on so that I can, you know, talk like an intelligent human being. <laughs> um, but uh, I also like to make sure that um, as a podcast listener, like I really love to go, ooh, great tip. I'm going to use this or that or whatever. So I'm trying to figure out how are you going to give people advice about how they can get information when you're actually related to all of the people that you ask questions about? <laughs> like how lucky are you that you're related to a judge, a military person, a nurse, and somebody in the law enforcement? <laughs>
1: I think like my, my best suggestion, and honestly, is if you are part of a writing community, put it out there, put feelers out there, because chances are somebody either knows somebody or is that person or has actually talked to somebody who'd be like, hey, I spoke with officer so-and-so, they were really helpful, here's their information, um, because let's be honest, most of these people love to talk about their jobs. Like, I don't think I've ever met a single one who's been like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, well, yeah. that's not true my CIA contact is like, yeah, I can't talk about that. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you know, so I'm like, what can you tell me that I can use? Um, But, but for the most part, they want to talk about their stories or, you know, whatever. And then I think, you know, reaching out to them and just being like, hey, would you mind like chatting with me? You know, I, I, I think that that's like really the best, the best way and the best tip because I, I know for me, like I, if I didn't have the people I was connected to, I would reach out to you know, other people and say, hey, you know, other authors and say, hey, I'm trying to get information on this. Do you think your person would be willing to talk to me? And for the most part, if they're super kind, and most authors are super kind, they will be glad to like give you some information. You know, so I know uh, I was working, I was talking to um, Lynn Blackburn, and she's working on a new series, and I was like, oh, I was like, on, I'm, I'm cons- like brainstorming ideas for another series and I actually have a character who wouldn't it be fun if we could like cross the characters like where your characters in my book and my characters and or at least they meet up and so she was like oh that would be really great so I you know I think that that helps just having building those relationships up and you know always being you know and I think you know you put little credits in the back of your books and they like seeing their names in there or whatever or for me like I put like oh thank you so and so and all yeah. mistakes are my own. I get it. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but definitely reach out to the writing community as a whole, cause they'll probably have some help. And then just start asking, especially if you're in like smaller locations, ask your friends, like, do you know police officers that I could chat to, you know, you know offer to buy them coffee or whatever. And they'll be glad to tell you some stories or at least help you with procedure because they probably more than anybody else hate when they see procedure or things done wrong. And so right. they, I think gives them a little bit of like, ah, okay, finally, somebody is going to like do it right. And I think that that is a huge kind of like nod to their, you know, to their profession. And so I think it's fine. I think that they're, I think that they will be really willing to, to share their information.
0: Yeah. You know, I guess I forget that um, other people are as excited about their job probably as I am about mine. Like you and I could just talk about writing all day. I forget that there are probably police officers who could sit around and just talk about, oh yeah, and then this other thing happened, you yeah. know, to people all day.
1: Yes. Right. Well, and especially like, it kind of helps, I think for me, like it, it, I see them kind of like being able to talk about the good parts of their career. I mean, yeah, there's some bad stuff that obviously happens, but they're also able to tell you some funny stories. I know I was sitting at uh, dinner with our friends. He works in the DEA and he was telling me this story and I was like, and I just tucked it in the back of my head. I was like, I'm using that story, that's going to be in a book. It's going to and back to my uh, proposal that I've sent to my publisher. That is the first story. That is the idea that started that first story. So, I mean, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that it gets it gets the publication nod, but. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things though, that like, you have to be careful, like your friends have to be careful. Like anything they say can and will be used in a story. Exactly. So you just have to like, you know, I'll give you a little, you know, credit. I may even name a character after you, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yes. Anything you say just be forewarned. If it's good, I'm putting it in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, um, just, um, having to do with the law enforcement thing. One of the things that was super helpful for me, so I'm just mentioning it in case it's helpful for anybody else. Um, my friend Janice Cantori was on the Long Beach police uh, force for like 20 years and then um, started writing romantic suspense for Tyndale. And so I was asking her some questions about uh, what what police and medical examiners and stuff would do in my superhero series, which is set in Michigan. And so she was explaining that depending on where your book is set, um, city and state, the, what would happen and who exactly does what would be different in every area. So definitely remember to tell people if you're asking, you know, somebody in, um, I mean, obviously if you ask somebody in the army and uh, a question, and then you made your character in the Navy, that would, that would be bad. Yeah. But, but, um, even if you ask a sheriff and then made the sheriff in your book be in a different state, you might accidentally have, um, written something that wouldn't happen in that particular state. Right,
1: right. And that's, that's true for even like my series with Walton because in Walton, the town is small that they have, I mean, I, I call it a a deputy force. So it could be a police force, but it's, they call themselves deputies. And then how do I cross like in um, deadly deceit? They kind of cross into, into the Savannah area lines. Well, that's a different police force. If there's a crime on that side, you've got to be able to have the police officers work together and will they work together so like in living lies i know that i had a dea agent in living lies and there was fbi and not all of them enjoy working together or are willing to share information but it kind of helped me because i was able to kind of like you you know use that to antagonize my characters or to cause stumbling blocks for them. And so it is, it's, you have to kind of know, I mean, and it just really kind of takes like a simple Google search sometimes to just be like, okay, what are the parameters of jurisdiction for an FBI agent versus CIA or versus local police or whatever, you know? And, and that was kind of thing. Like I know in um, living lies, they have a murder and well the FBI could come in and help if the police force wants them to, like they would, they could invite them and be like, Hey, or we have a missing person and they, you know, bring them in. And so, uh, just you kind of, you can use that information to kind of be like, all right, I know how to, but it's good to have, I mean, it is good to know because if you cross lines, like, Oh, a sheriff, you're going to have a wife of a police officer or a sheriff, a county sheriff's officer be like this. No, this would and they will email you. <laughs> Readers will email you. <laughs> if you've got it wrong, they
0: will email you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now you're making me wonder because you have both military and law enforcement background. I'm trying to remember if I've seen a TV show or a book that um, mixed, like made made their um, made their plot be such that two different um, what am I trying to say? Not military forces, but two different branches. That's what I mean of the military. Like were forced to work something together, like. Like, you know, on NCIS, everybody's in the Navy who, right. who you know, works through that show. But, but like, I wonder if something were to ever happen, where it'd be somebody from the Navy. And- I mean,
1: it could if it was two, if you had two people in different branches. So like, like where we live here in Hawaii, you have military installation, you have Navy installation, you have a Marine Corps base, you have uh, Air Force base. So you have all of them here. So if there was a crime committed... If it was committed on the Air Force base, but it was committed by an Army soldier, right. you would have Army, you know, investigation as well as the Air Force investigation, and they would be forced to work together, which would actually be really, really fun because you know branches like competition between branches, yeah. forget it. Like you'd have like that would be a, that would be a lot of fun, a little a lot of fun to do. So yeah. And now, so I'm now thinking, you get credit for that one. If anybody <laughs> takes that, I did
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm thinking you live in Hawaii, which is like forced confinement of a whole bunch of people living close to each other. So it seems even more likely that something like that could happen, you know, in a place like Hawaii.
1: Yeah, I think there's been there's been a handful of cases. I think like probably in the last ten years where they've had um, situations. I think there was. And I'm gonna probably totally mess this up, but I think there was <laughs> a, a the last one that I can think of was they had a an army soldier who uh, was giving uh, secrets away, and they had gone to his house and like had his house locked down. It was like they stormed it, like they knew he was doing it or whatever. Um, but you know, and then that brings in all the like law enforcement people. You got FBI, you got you know everybody's involved because um, you know military people. They have they've got security clearances that yeah. give them access to specific information, and being where we are located. In the Pacific, you know, we have we're close to to enemies in you know North Korea or whatever. So you could definitely use more global, uh, more global threat here. But I think, um, and always I think there was like an episode of like Hawaii Five O, and I don't really watch Hawaii Five O. I'm just gonna apologize right now. I don't <laughs> watch that show very much. Um, but I think there was an episode where I was like, well, if somebody was here and they committed a crime, they could basically like leave. And like fly off the island potentially before either the body is found or whatever. And how would you ever like find them? <laughs> right, they could be yeah, gone. Another yeah, country. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. close to a lot of foreign. I mean, you know, foreign countries. So
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is so interesting. And now you got me thinking. There's a show here in Sweden. I'm not 100% sure because I don't speak the language very well, which is to say almost not at all. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a Swedish show, not a Danish show, but I am literally one train stop away from Denmark. Um, so I, Malma is on the water and the other side of the sound, which is, um, so I didn't know what a sound was until I lived here. <laughs> it's a really narrow body of water that's much, much wider than a river and yeah, I don't know how to- very specific yeah yeah i mean specific Uh, enough it got its own name yeah it's got its own name it's the sound sound. Uh, so um so someone created a show where um okay so so malma is on one side of the water and copenhagen denmark is on the other side of the water and as of like 2006 or nine or like pretty recently they have a bridge now so trains and cars go across the bridge and um so the show came out maybe last year, I think. And um, sorry, uh, PG-13 warning. <laughs> Somebody murdered someone and cut her in half and then placed her on the bridge. So her body was exactly 50-50 on the Swedish side and the Danish side of the the line that marks the difference oh between the, the, Yeah, between the countries. And so immediately they had Danish police officers on this side of the body Swedish police officers on that side of the body all trying to figure out well what are we supposed to do we can't all take half the body like (laughs) (laughs) so it's really interesting
1: that is interesting I wonder like does that when Interpol becomes like involved because I mean I don't know like I I don't know my my uh son was asking me he's like what exactly is like Interpol and I'm like well they're the police that take care you know yeah. Is my. I mean, I need to Google that or look yeah, at, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I think they take care of when there's like problems, like would they police the whole world kind yeah. of, you know,
0: international police.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, so they're watching. If there's a crime that is from somebody like an American, you know, happens in another country, they get involved because you know they're kind of like I maybe the overseers I don't know. Yeah. I'm probably wrong and somebody's going to email me like you are absolutely wrong. Yeah. I'm like I'm sorry. I work for Interpol and that's not how yeah, it works. that's not how it works and then I'll be like, well, since you do, let's chat.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I will buy you a coffee <laughs> and we can right.
1: talk stories. You can help me. Help me understand. Tell me your secrets.
0: <laughs> oh boy, the life of a writer. So my car breaks down in the desert in this like terrifying section where every scary movie that I've ever seen in a desert is running through my mind. And it's the first time that I really realized that you can be in the 21st century and have a new cell phone and be in a place where you still have no cell phone service. I was like, what? Wait, how can I not be safe? So- policeman finally comes. And, um, and by then my my friend my other writer friend, by the way, the, finally found me in my broken down car. And so she and I are standing by my broken down car and he finally is there and what can I do to help? And, and then we were like, so um, by the way, thank you so much for helping us. Can we ask you some questions? Because we're just realizing- you couldn't murder somebody in this desert and easily get away with it. Or you could be, you could die because somebody tried to murder you and you got away, but then your cell phone didn't work. And he's right. just looking at us like, I need your names and phone numbers and addresses. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> like, right. No, no, not us. We're not going to murder someone. Right, right,
1: right. <laughs> but if we were to, or if we would write a character who does, yeah. we're just getting information.
0: <laughs> and now, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, county lines and the lines between, you know, um, armed forces, um, branches. And now I'm thinking Mason Dixon line. What if a body was found on the Mason Dixon line? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's crazy. I know. I, I think there's like, and I think that's where you, like we as writers get to be creative and be because you know, again, like I was saying, there's only so many ways you can stock somebody, but <laughs> you can like put where you get creative is where you put, you know. Because I think I was reading somewhere, someone asked a question about are all romance plot lines the same? Like, is there some sort of like outline? And the reality is, is that there is, you know from the time that story began, there's always been, I mean, you look at the Bible, there's an A, B, and C. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know? Yeah. That's the same thing with every Shakespeare play. I mean, so we all write in this manner, but it's what happens in those in-betweens like that causes the nuances to make a story different and yeah. reach and talk to different people. So that's why each of us coming from where we come from, you know, like where we, where we've grown up, whatever we carry, we look at things differently. You know, I think, you know, you looking at, okay, we're stuck in the middle of nowhere. We're going to die. And that is exactly the kind of thought I would have. I'd be like, all right, this is how I'm going to die. The guy's going to come out and I'll have a whole story about the guy who's going to kill me. And I'll like have, and then I'll have like the, you know, epilogue story of like what my husband and my kids are going to do once I'm gone. And I will have it all written out and done by the time the police officer or the tow truck comes to help me with my car. And that's just the way that it is. Like I, like I will go out and I I tell my kids this and they hate this about me because like when most parents probably tell their kids like, you know, honey, you know, make sure your cell phone's charged because if if you're stuck somewhere, you want to be able to call. I'm like, if your cell phone's not charged, we will not be able to track you. The FBI will not be able to track you. We will not be able to hit the pings off the radar. The guy's going to take you, throw you over the, you know, like take your phone. And then we're going to think you're in like, you know, Sweden and yeah. we're totally in the wrong direction. You know, like I'll go the extra mile to just rein in the, the thought that you could die, <laughs> you know, and this is how it will happen. And my kids are like, okay, mom, yeah. like, they're going to like, I probably need to sell more books to pay for their therapy for like yeah. the rest of their lives. <laughs>
0: You know, you got to ask yourself, though, for all the writers in the world, and particularly all the writers who are writing crime, horror, suspense, thrillers, are their kids as a whole um, more disturbed or actually safer in the world? Because they've already had all the scenarios run through for them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to say, are they healthy?
1: Like, is that like, are they health, like, you know, mentally healthy? I don't, I don't know for sure, but I do know my kids will constantly... We moved to Egypt, and the worst thing I could have done was Google like what happens in Egypt, you know, all this oh, stuff. Right. But we got there, and I told my kids, I was like, <clears throat> "You're not allowed to like walk on the streets by yourself." <clears throat> and it's and Egypt is beautiful, beautiful country. Where we lived was beautiful, and we did walk on, the, you know, we did walk. It wasn't a big deal. But I walked with them. You still had to be diligent, and um and so I told them, I said, "Cause here's the deal." And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Taken, but this is literally yes. how this happened. I was like you will get taken and they will take you across the border into Africa. You will be sold to the highest bidder for it to be their 15th wife. I said, and then you'll be a slave for the rest of your life and we will never be able to find you because we live in a foreign country. There is no CIA, there is no FBI, there is no 911. Like you're gone, like I will, like we will not be able to find you. And so I literally told that to my, I think at the time it was like, I had a fourth grader, a fifth grader, or yeah, fourth, fifth and eighth grader or seventh grader. (laughs) So could you imagine like you're eight years old and your mom's telling you how you will be sold into like slavery for, and be some man's, you know, but they're all here. They're all safe. So whether it helps or not, I don't know, but I'm going to go with, it did help them. It gave them that little (laughs) bit of fear to like, be like, you know, this is because that's how I live. Like, I feel like when I'm going down the stairwell at the hospital, I'm like, this is like, this is where people get mugged or knocked out or you know, whatever. I, Cause that's my thought process. I yeah. it's unhealthy. I need therapy. <laughs> I need therapy clearly, or at least I need to just keep writing all these stories down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's oh good. At God. least I give my characters like, okay, this is what could happen and this is why it could happen. And at least it could be plausible because in my head, it's always plausible that I'm going to get mugged going to the mall.
0: (laughs) Okay. So now, since I also write romantic comedy, now I'm thinking, okay, what I'm imagining the husband of this writer who's in the military, he's career military, like, is he just like pulling out his hair, shaking his head, going, stop scaring our children. These (laughs) things will never happen. Or is he like, yeah. And also this. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny because um, I think, my husband does play into it a little bit. My, um, my middle daughter was, uh, dating a guy and that's um, gotta be the worst. (laughs) Yeah. So it was funny because, um, I don't want to call her out on this, but she, as most, you know, young adults, and she's a, she was a young adult at this time you know so we really don't have any say she's 18 she's an adult, she adult. make her best decisions which weren't best at the time and so she went on like, she told her she was going to be at some place because they were we were in virginia and they were in texas and so we were you know we kind of keep an eye on them whatever and she was going to go on this date with this guy and so um we didn't have any she wouldn't give us any information on the guy and that was kind of been one of our things when our children date. we're like hey we need to know their names. We really want to meet them, like, first and foremost. If you're going to date our child, like, we need to meet you or whatever. Um, and so she wouldn't give us any information. And so right away, like, our, sus- you know, our suspicions, like, up here. And the kid is totally a good kid. Nothing wrong with him or whatever. But she was just being so, like, she just didn't want to tell us. You know, she wanted it to be, like, her own thing until she figured out where the relationship was going or whatever. And so... Uh, we did our, own investigation. <laughs> did our own investigation and we found out what his name is, what dorm he was staying in. Like, you know, and so we were like sending her this information by text. Like we know this and we know where that is. And um, her, we had uh, like her, her old computer was still in our possession. So it had like the tracking on it. So we're like, we know where you're at. And so she's literally telling this guy this and he is like, they're going out to go get tacos. And he's like, I feel like there's going to be a sniper sitting on a roof somewhere. It's going to take me out. And we just <laughs> let the roll with that. We didn't correct him. We were like, you're absolutely right. Be forewarned. We've got eyes everywhere. You know, because that's what we have to do as parents. We're going to be there to protect our children, no matter what. But if they believe a little bit of, you know, fiction about what our capabilities are, then by, we're not going to correct them on that. They're going to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, Natalie, talking to you, I, I'm just thinking, you know, of all the podcasts that I've listened to, I would already be thinking up um, storylines for thrillers, suspense, military, um, fun things that you could do with romantic comedies with uh, parents. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think that just about anybody writing any kind of fiction listening to us today has got to already be having at least three more new ideas. In oh, their I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Oh, man, I know. Oh. I've
1: got plenty of ideas. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write some of these myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hurry. Okay. The good news is you don't have to hurry up and like take notes while we're talking because you'll have the recording. You can oh, be like, perfect. Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> that's right. I know that's the best thing about technology. Even like my uh, critique partner and I, we vox each other and I'll be like, oh, we'll vox ideas. And they will be like, I got to save this because I got to go back and like, listen to it. Cause I will forget it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, um, I really should let you go, but, um, sorry, one more question. So we were talking about, we would eventually wind back around to brainstorming being your favorite part of the writing process. So do you have any tips or, um, or do you want to tell us like how you do it? Uh, Do you do it by yourself or with friends and like, um, yeah. I think so. Um, going back to the Stephen King book that he has, he talks about how he
1: does not talk to anybody or get any, like he doesn't tell his idea to anyone. I don't even think he tells his wife. I know his wife is the first person to know anything about his writing or his stories, but he said something about, you don't tell anybody because they're going to tell you something that's going to make you change your mind or, you know, shift your things. So I think the first uh, bit of like advice I would get is to find somebody you trust to either tell you like, once you've fleshed out your story, your ideas on like paper or whatever, to be like, okay, this is where I'm having a question. Then you can ask them and they can give you your input. But for me, the way I start with my ideas is pretty much if I'm watching TV and I see a television show, or I see something in the news, or I hear a story, like talking with our friend in the DEA, he tells me this bit of information. I'm like, okay, so I have the idea. That's how, that's the nugget or the method of murder for deadly deceit. That's the nugget. Now I need to write the, you know, figure out who, Oh, is that me? Sorry. My My husband's in Korea and he's calling me stop. Oh my goodness. That's so embarrassing. I'm so sorry. Um, I I turned it
0: on. Hi Hi, Natalie's husband.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry. Uh, so that's the military life right there. You, get phone calls randomly. When there you not go.
0: Least so you ex- Just help somebody go, Oh yeah, I should do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Least expected phone calls in the middle of church, in the middle of podcasts. <laughs> um, but what I was saying is I will take those nuggets and I will flesh out my story. I'll come up with you know, characters. Um, I will come up with a, a semi plot line and then I, and then I'm an outliner. I don't, I don't pants right very often, but I so I'll outline as best as I can. Like kind of and usually what ends up happening is I come up with uh, scene ideas I'm like oh I really like that scene idea and then I figure out how to like work that in there and then um, I will talk to my critique partner who I've had since 2013 so we've been going on six years now uh, and I trust her explicitly uh, she will be honest with me she'll be like ah oh, this isn't working or you need to bring this uh, up a little bit more and um, and so I will listen to those you know that feedback and then I kind of like will start writing it but if I have, like, a like, I'll be like, all right, I don't have, um, like, a good motivation for this. Like, this person's motive is not strong enough. Like, clearly, he could be, I'll tell, like, I'll voice those questions to her, and she'll be like, okay, let's talk about this, and we'll run through some ideas, and then I pick what up. Because usually, just doing that, just talking about it, something is going to be, like, a click in your head, and you're like, oh, I'm totally going to do that. Like, that's a really good idea. Kind of like crossing, like, you know, putting military branches against each other. Like, that's really smart. Somebody should write that story. Somebody <laughs> should write that story. Write that down and write that story. But yeah. that's how it happens. Like, you just talk story or you talk about the things that you like in other stories. And you're like, okay, how could I, like, emulate that twist or whatever and make it my own and, and do that? And so that's sort of how the brainstorming process works for me tends to be character or like something specific, a little nugget. And then I just kind of tangent off that.
0: Nice. Nice. And do you do it um, on paper and physically, or do you do it in within a computer program?
1: I'm a paper and pen girl. I, I don't like, I don't, I, I do do some stuff on the computer, but I like, there's something about being able to write it down and then, um, you know, having having it there so I can see it and flip back. I feel like with the computer technology defies me. So I feel like the computer hates me and is (laughs) going to try to do anything. It can to make my life harder. And so, and the more we get more technology with these computers or phones that are like computers and watches that are like computers, I'm like, I can't handle it. So (laughs) uh, I try to just write and then I'll put in pieces. Like I'll start um, what I'll do is I will take my ideas because typing is much faster than writing. I start brainstorming like the, the outline of the story or the synopsis, I'll do that on the computer. And then I end up with like 45 documents that say synopsis one, synopsis two, synopsis three, synopsis (laughs) 3.5 or 3.8 or whatever, because I'll end up, and then I'm confusing myself because I'm like, where did I pull that one? Yeah. (laughs) It's just a mess. I'm kind of a mess as a a writer, (laughs) but I guess it works for me. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I need. I probably have needed more books under my belt to really hone it in. But I mean, <laughs> it's fun.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm a tactile person. I like to have the things in my hands, like my hands, to actually be doing things. Sometimes I wish that. Um, that writing books required just a little bit more building, like even like putting a puzzle together. Like I have physical pieces of the puzzle that I'm laying down and, and I wish that I had something uh, more tactile, you know, when it, when it comes to writing, I haven't quite figured out how to, how to create something that that works for me that way. But yeah, um, I
1: know, I know people who do note cards and I, I have tried to do the note card method, but I end up like writing like the first seven note cards. And then I'm like, okay, I like, I, can't do that and then my first book living lies I ended up writing um all of the chapters like the uh the main point of each chapter like what would like what was happening who was involved whatever I wrote it and then I ended up cutting like slivers of like cutting the papers and then like placing it because the story was a little bit out of um out of sequence Mm -hmm. where it needed to be and so I had to put them in. and I had it all laid out and heaven forbid anybody come in there or there a gust of wind yeah. come and knock my things down because it would be all over yeah yeah <laughs> but i i've, I've re- done
0: that yeah yeah you just reminded me and that's the thing with um moving so many times sometimes i forget what i used to do that worked but um you just reminded me that i have had in the past like a pile of four or five different colored sticky notes and I put the ideas on one color per you know major character and then have a wall or a board or something because then I literally do have the tactile thing and I can move things around and
1: yeah yeah and I didn't like I have a whiteboard like if I get to a part in the story where I'm like okay this needs to happen this needs to happen this needs to happen and then I can erase it or I can add something. And then like, I started doing, um, I printed a paper. I'm looking at it right now on my desk. I printed a paper and I'll, I can show you, um, uh, without messing it up. So it's the three act structure and I literally just printed it off of the, off of the computer. And it has, um, it has like beginning inciting incident or whatever. And then I put like notes, like I specifically put notes on this one of the color of my character's eyes because I tend to forget that as I'm writing, but, um, I did that for, uh, let's see, what book is this? So this is my last book, Silent Child. So I basically redid it and then just wrote on the bottom, like, okay. Uh, if the beginning is like, like the first like plot point and it's the, the beginning, what is that? You know? And then the next one's the inciting incident. And then I can like actually put, so this would be like what your um, cards would be your, you know, index cards or whatever. And then I just, I write on there. And that actually seemed to be really helpful just for me to follow because I will get myself stuck in the middle of the book. And I'm like, I don't know where this is going or why this is going anywhere. And so this helps kind of keep me like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. This is where I need to heighten the suspense or I need to heighten the action, or I can put in a a smaller moment in this story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you're the kind of person who, um, Gets on the road and has the map out first, and you're like, I I know that I'm going to wherever. I think that um, writing from one plot point to the next one is like works if you're the kind of person who who likes to have a map. Like I know first that I need to go to you know Chum's Corners, and then I turn right when I get there. Right. So so you can be like, I have no idea what happens between now and Chum's Corners, but that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Exactly. Exactly. You can still have the excitement of surprising yourself with what you come up with. But right, you're not, well, I hate to say it this way, but this is the way I feel when I'm writing. You're not wasting time going off in different directions that right. now you're just going to have to cut it and throw it away.
1: <laughs> right, right. And I think like, it's interesting because when I did Deadly Deceit, I felt like that was a more pants written, like I pantsed on that one. And that's not so yeah. weird. I pantsed. Um, I wrote that one more on like the seat of my pants because I got to a point where I was like, I don't know who the bad guy is in this story. Like, I don't know why he, like, why did he get killed? Like, what was the point of that? And so I really like had to just kind of like, as I was writing, I was like, oh, okay, this is why. And, oh, then that, and so like little things started. So that was the story that like surprised me because it was like a more like um, organic, I guess is what they like to call it, a more organic type story where the first one was a little bit more uh, plotted out. um, I think just because I needed to get the, the pieces in. Yeah. And um and then book three, uh, I had been thinking about that story for a long time, and so uh, that one was hard because in my head the story had been playing in my head for the whole time I was writing book two. Yeah, thinking about the characters. So then when I sat down, it was like I was crippled because I could not get it out of my head onto the page the way that I wanted to. And I literally sent it into my publisher with tears because I was like, "This is so bad. Like it's not. It doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. You know." And um. And I got, so I sent that in on like May, 20, May 15th, flew to Texas because my daughter was graduating from college, flew there, got an email because uh, I think it was like a Tuesday. I got an email on like Friday from my editor and she was like, I love this story. I could not put it down. And I was like, I was in Panera crying my eyeballs out over my salad because I was like, it was just like, so I don't know what God did to it from the time I hit send to the time it landed in her inbox. But I was so excited that it was just the encouragement that I needed that I was like, okay, that, you know, and then you get the blank page in front of you and you're like, I don't know how to write stories. Like what (laughs) is a sentence? So (laughs) you know what I mean, it's like as fat as, as comforting as like that uh, moment was, it's gone in an instant. The next time you look at a blank page on your computer screen.
0: (laughs) Right. Right oh my gosh this is so much fun talking to you i don't want to stop but i'm looking at the time thinking oh all right anybody who's been like telling themselves i'm just gonna keep on walking on the treadmill until this interview is over i'm so sorry that we made you walk so much (laughs) (laughs) we're sorry but not sorry you get to eat that extra piece of pie for thanksgiving okay see i love you natalie this is just gotta spin it that's all (laughs) That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Well, I really think that um, you've mentioned like a whole bunch of things that people will be able to think through, like, how does this work for me? How does that work for me? And like give people more ideas about what they can do with their own writing. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, sure. It's my pleasure. I never think I know anything,
0: but I'd love to talk about it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it works. <exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, where can people find you online and find your books? Well,
1: definitely. I think all of my books are available at all the retail sites. So any place that you normally buy books from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, I think Target and Walmart have it available online. So that's pretty cool. Um, And then I am on social media. I'm on Instagram. I have a Facebook author page and I have um, Twitter. If I had to like rank those on where I'm the most active, it's probably Instagram and then Facebook and then Twitter, but I'm probably equally active uh, on Facebook. And I also have a newsletter. I have, I call them my newsies and I would that's where all of my first like behind the scenes and first, uh, information for covers and, and book news goes out. So, and I do a, a monthly giveaway for a, a book depository gift card or Amazon oh gift card. So I'm always giving away books. So.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. And are you Natalie Walters everywhere or should they just go to your website and figure out what your name is? Do you know um, I'm Natalie Walters
1: pretty much everywhere. I'm mostly like, it's like Natalie. Well, this, so apparently there's another Natalie Walters in the world, who knew? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's uh, Instagram, it's Natalie Walters Writer on Twitter. I think it's Nat Walters, right? Or something like that. <laughs> so probably the best way would be to go to Instagram, but on uh, Facebook, it's Natalie Walters uh, Writer author? I don't know. <laughs> I don't search myself. Sorry. Right, right, oh, right. Yes. Okay. So a uh, website is www.nataliewalterswriter.com and you can click on the links that'll send you to my, to my social media. So
0: perfect. We'll do that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, um, Living Lies is out and Deadly Deceit just came out a couple of weeks ago and then book three will be out sometime in 2020. March, the
1: end of March, March thirtieth. March, oh my gosh, yes. so fast. I
0: know it's so
1: fast. In fact, I thought it was coming out in May, and then I went on Amazon and I saw, oh, it's coming out in March. I lost two months, so I was like, okay, I've got to get all the like all the marketing stuff done at least. But I mean, leave it to Amazon to tell me when my book was coming. right. right. <laughs> my book is releasing. I, you know, it's, <laughs> I live in I live in story world. All the other stuff, I'm like, I don't know. Exactly. I'm trying to
0: hold it together. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the show.
1: Oh, it was such, I had such a good time. This is probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. So thank you so much for having me.